Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 112 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. Well, Jacob, at least it is a beautiful day for you to be outside. It's pretty awesome, I gotta you've, tell you. you you've been like the postal service. You've been through rain and snow. And Seriously, <laughs> like I've been through three out of the four seasons already. I don't know what's gonna happen next week. It's gonna be like, what, fall? Is that what it's gonna end up being? Stop it. Stop or it. Snow. I need I need lots of beautiful summer days. So normally we would be like um, woohoo! Happy Monday! It's a holiday. Yeah, we're all back but at work. I actually can't even believe I knew what day of the week it was. I'm very impressed with myself. Oh, I had the same problem when I was on my way over here. I was thinking, like, <laughs> what day is it? What is What's going happening? on right now? So it is May 25th. It is Memorial Day, which I think everyone knows is an American holiday for remembering veterans and honoring fallen members of the armed forces from our many wars um one way that you can celebrate its true meaning i think is honestly watching a war themed memorial day movie or reading a book about past battles and events so that's kind of what we're going to get into today um i know a lot of people are usually barbecuing on this day so just just be smart about it keep a little bit of distance try not to have too many people over yeah it's not gonna not a holiday that you need to really be having everybody um, crowd around this year, everybody. Try but I know people really do like to to celebrate it, and I think people kind of talk badly on like, oh, it shouldn't be just barbecues and this and that. I'm like, but it's nice. It's always nice when you get family and friends together. Like, don't knock it. But really, try to watch one of these if you can. I feel like every time I watch a war movie, I am always incredibly moved and recognize in myself that I do not have these abilities I would just like crumble yeah and then watching them too it just sometimes you just get the idea that like this is not all the time necessary like this seems like an awful price that we're paying oh, and a man. bunch of reasons we don't need to that's like, that's an episode unto its own but <laughs> yes I'll save my opinions on that and we can just kind of get into some of the things you can be watching if you want to really celebrate this and honor this day oh yeah let's sounds give it a go for it. Uh, it always looks sounds good okay so the one that i'm going to start with this is my favorite war film um if i had to pick one it's also because it's one of my favorite directors and it's just an incredibly beautiful film and that would be the thin red line from 1998 oh i haven't seen that movie in a really long time oh, i thought you were gonna say you never saw it and i was no like, no i definitely you? definitely saw it because it was in that big world war ii uh um era where they had a lot of those good movies coming out yeah um, and I mean, that's right around the time, which I'll get into later of Saving Private Ryan were like the same year. They were like the big war movies against each other. But this is the return of director Terrence Malick to feature filmmaking after a 20 year sabbatical. So I'm pretty sure he did Days of Heaven and then he kind of was just gone for a long time. And then he came back with this World War Two drama. What a weird way to jump back in considering his other work you know like it's so unlike most of the other stuff that he's done it's true but it's shot so beautifully that it, it definitely feels like him it's a like a rumination on um, man's destruction of nature and himself and it's based on a james jones uh, semi-autobiographical novel so what the film is is it's in 1942 and you have private wit who's played by jim caviezel who's not in a ton of stuff anymore and he's quite good well yeah but you know when you play jesus in a movie it tends to hurt your box office potential for a little while is that true though i mean we don't not really willem dafoe played jesus he's just fine <laughs> well you can't keep willem dafoe out of movies that's like, true they see that goblin face and they're like i need to put that 
into film immediately. You're so mean. So Private Wit is a U.S. Army um, absconder, and he's living peacefully with the locals of a small South Pacific island, but then he's discovered by his commanding officer, who's played by Sean Penn, and he is forced to resume his active duty training um, for the Battle of Guadalcanal. So as Wit and his unit land on the island and the American troops are mounting an assault on this entrenched Japanese positions, the story really explores the various fates and attitudes towards life or death um, situations. And it's really like Wit has voiceover parts and it's him just talking about life and death and nature and that is the real heart of this movie. So... I don't know. I think that's why I love it so much. It's not all just kind of shooting. It's a lot more conversations and just looking at the at the nature around you. So I'm going to play um, a quick clip that has Jim Caviezel and Sean Penn in it. Let's do it. What difference do you think you can make one single man in all this madness? If you die, it's going to be for nothing. There's not some other world out there where everything's gonna be okay. It's just this one. Just this rock. Oh, ain't that the truth? That <laughs> I mean, so I've said ruminations, you know. Um, but it's really, it is a gorgeous film, and it's so richly detailed and textured that its images really leap from the screen, and I feel that it is very unique. Um, to war films also things that are just kind of like funny because people love working with Terrence Malick like people will just show they up and be do, like don't they? they'll be like anything you want to put me in because his movies are gorgeous so Adrian Brody is in the film and he played Captain Fife who is the central character of the novel so he's the star of the film and almost all of his scenes were cut from the film without his consent and he wasn't even aware of the changes until he went to the premiere expecting to see himself as the lead character of the movie and was shocked that he saw that he was barely in the film at all oh that sucks man. imagine you bring all your friends you're like my starring role and you're like i am barely in this movie and also you think he would have noticed when he looked at the poster and his name wasn't on there like well, something's fishy going on it's like why isn't my face in the center also billy bob thornton recorded a narration for the whole film it's like two hour and 50 minute epic um under terrence malick and then the final print of the film has voiceovers by eight of the main characters and none of them are billy bob thornton wow <laughs> so and also other stars who were in this film but you do not see because they are on the cutting room floor are Bill Pullman, Gary Oldman, <laughs> Lucas Haas, Viggo Mortensen, Martin Sheen, Jason Patrick, and Mickey Rourke. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> Terrence Malick, he don't care who you are. If it doesn't add to the film and fit his vision, you you buy. You yeah. Gone. I got to imagine the guy who's doing the budget just had his head, helm, head in his hands the entire like time. We paid those actors, man. <laughs> Do you know how much nail polish we had to buy Mickey to be in this movie you're terrible i do know that something that sean penn read the script and showed up on set and said you can pay me a dollar 
and I'll shoot for as many days as you want. Like I want in. Well, like, I love it. So. That, that sounds like a Sean Penn thing, kind of dude. It's Terrence Malick. Little uh, little spoiler alert. I have a Billy Bob Thorne impression that I'm working on. Please I'm, don't. I'm gonna unveil that for you in the no. coming weeks. You're gonna Nobody. Love it. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want that. I have to pick just which movie I'm gonna go with. I got so many. Uh, I don't do that. Speaking of movies, why don't you just talk about your <laughs> Memorial Day recommendation, please? Okay. So I'm gonna go. You mentioned your favorite war movie. I'm gonna go with mine. We tried to get clips for it, and then figured out that we can't because every two seconds is. An F word, so you know that works. Cool. Uh, it's Full Metal Jacket from 1987. Is that your favorite war movie? It is my favorite. War that movie. movie upsets me deeply. That's part of the reason I mean, why I like I it. I get so it. Much. Yeah. Um. So it's based on the book Short Timers by Gustav Hasford. So go check that out. Um. Pretty big hit, but not as big as everybody thought it was going to be. Made 120 on 30 million. So pretty good for yeah. 1980s. Um. But it's basically two movies in one and that pretty much cuts the entire film in half. The first half being, of course, the more disturbing half. Yeah. Which is most people's when they think of this movie, they just sort of think that the movie is just the basic training scenes. Yeah. Cause, Soap in a in a sleeping or in a pillowcase. That's all I think of. Ooh, oh, man. I hate that scene so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this first sign about um, basic training and seeing what they used to put Marines through and probably still do um, for the Vietnam War and how they kind of brainwashed them and stripped away their humanity and kind of turned them into just mindless killing machines a little bit that didn't really have an emotion to say no. So this kind of explores what it takes to break somebody down mentally and how not everybody is able to handle that stress from I private mean, pile. You see as that you see and I don't feel descent. like I could. Oh, go through all that. Oh no, 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 no. And then like the, one of the other things I like about this basic training scene is my dad who was in Vietnam said that this was very close, if a little undertoned to what it was like to be, uh, and basic training for Vietnam. So, well, what's the name of that drill sergeant, the actor? Because he was Army, Army, yeah, and he was, was a, a literal, literal drill sergeant. Yeah, so he was like, I just pulled out stuff that I used, and yeah, yeah my dad was like, yeah, that's pretty much the kind of stuff that it was like being in basic training in that time. And then the second half of the movie takes place in Vietnam itself for the Battle of Hue, um, and explores what it's like for the soldiers on the ground, and it makes you question really the whole reason for the war because there's really. I don't want to say there's no plot in the second half of the movie, but there's no objective they're working towards. It's sure. Just, and I mean, so much has come out since then. That, yeah. Know, objective just, was kind of missing. They pick just two weeks in their life and this is what happens. And then at the end of it, it's like, okay, it's just going to keep on going. Yeah. Oh, it's just such a great movie. It's definitely an intense one. It's, it's one of those few that makes you laugh and be horrified within two minutes of each other yeah. while you're watching it. So, um, okay. Getting back to just, what feels so realistic and unbelievable wouldn't be an episode without it is saving private Ryan. Oh, another, another awesome one. Another I one actually I am going to try to make that the one I watch this week. I hope that it's streaming somewhere because what a film, but so Steven Spielberg, as we know, directed this powerful, realistic recreation of world war two's D day invasion and the immediate aftermath. The story I mean, it's really beautiful, and I think people can relate to it because it opens with this prologue in which a veteran brings his family to the American cemetery at Normandy, and a flashback joins kind of, we get Captain John Miller, who's played by Tom Hanks, and G.I.'s um, in a landing craft making the June 6th, 1944 approach to uh, Omaha Beach and face devastating German fire. So the, the mass slaughter of American soldiers is depicted in this compelling unforgettable 24 minute 
sequence in which John Miller is taking his men behind enemy lines to find Private James Ryan, whose three brothers have been killed in combat. And I mean, you're just surrounded by the brutal realities of war while searching for this, you know, this one guy. Each soldier kind of embarks upon a personal journey and discovers their own strength to to triumph, you know, over an uncertain future and this and that. And it's just it's a masterpiece and arguably the greatest war movie. I, I of think them all. I think most people would agree with you there. I, I remember the first time I saw it, I was not expecting for that first scene to be happening. I kind of assumed it was going to be because it's Steven Spielberg. It was going to be a little more family friendly, so to speak. And sure. Boy, they. They come out swinging in that first scene. Well, that Omaha Beach scene cost $11 million just to shoot that scene and involved up to a thousand extras and took 25 days to shoot. Worth so it, that though. is like a whole movie. Yeah, exactly. In just itself, that little and that's part. one 24-minute scene. And boy, did it work out. But of course, everybody knows Shakespeare loves the better movie. That is just it. This film lost the Best Picture Oscar to Shakespeare in Love, and it's probably the greatest Oscar controversy in history of the show. Oh, just and it's really because Harvey Weinstein just pushed so much, and he started spreading that Saving Private Ryan had so many historical inaccuracies and things like that. Like whatever, yeah, like gross. Just, but I think now people just recognize it as what an upset it was and what an amazing film that it is. Yeah, it's kind of like that Goodfellas Dances with Wolves thing. People are like, yeah, we know what won, but yeah, we know but what we the best it. picture was. So. Um, I also like that Steven Spielberg spent like a lot of time casting Private Ryan because he wanted a really unknown actor with a very all-American look. So when he found Matt Damon, who was like nobody, he was super jazzed. And then he did not know that Damon would then win the Oscar for Goodwill Hunting a year before and literally became an overnight star before the film was released. Yeah. So I'm sure that bummed him out a bit. Yeah, a little bit, but still kind of like an awesome little coincidence. Like, oh, it's fortuitous And now you have like up. a great actor in it. But like not everyone loved Matt Damon because all of the principal actors, except for him, underwent several days of grueling army training and Spielberg specifically did that did it so Damon was spared so that the other actors would resent him and that they would convey that feeling in their performances because they were like oh cool here's Matt doing nothing see look at Spielberg he just knows how to push buttons man the guy knows it's almost like this guy's good at directing (laughs) it's almost like it but if somehow you haven't seen it amazing film and definitely check it out All right, we're going to go back to Vietnam for this next one. We're going to go with the best picture of 1986, Oliver Stone's classic Platoon, which is a semi-autobiographical movie, if you can believe it. I don't know if I've ever seen Platoon. What do you mean you haven't seen Platoon? I I really, like, I'm thinking about it, and I don't think I have, and I know that's terrible. How have you not seen, like, the one movie that made people go, Charlie Sheen, he's an actual actor. What is happening Because I was busy watching Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now, and I can only handle so many war movies. How would you even get the joke in Hot Shots Part 2? If wow. you did not see Platoon. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I don't know. I don't. I mean, just, okay. <laughs> okay. I, I'm like dumbfounded that you even got that joke. It's amazing. <laughs> so, okay. This movie was nominated for eight Academy Awards. It won four. It had Tom Berenger and Willem Dafoe both nominated for Best Supporting Actor, which somehow neither of them won, which mm. is a little surprising. Uh, it stars a virtual who's who of both current and old cinema. There's Charlie Sheen, Willem Dafoe, Tom Berenger. Forrest Whitaker's in here, John C. McGinley, Tony Todd, and Johnny Depp pops up as well. So, like, pretty much 
from every generation Everybody is going to recognize is in there, sure. up. So basically what it is is it's a story of a new soldier just coming into Vietnam on his first day, which is Charlie Sheen. And then he just kind of learns what it's like to be in a platoon in the uh, jungle. And while he's also watching a power struggle between Tom Berenger and Willem Dafoe, who are basically at the lead of the group, but have completely different views on their place in the war and mm-hmm. what they're, how they're supposed to go about it. Um, eventually with like Tom Berenger starting to go a little more crazy as he gets a little more authoritative. And as Willem Dafoe tries to fight back against that a little bit and tries to be a little more humanitarian, it's just such a, so it is, it's worth all the hype. Like it's something I'm definitely missing. Oh, you're life. definitely missing it. But I warn you, if you found this other movies, uh, upsetting, this, there's some scenes in this one where, Ooh, I mean, war movies, rough. but I'm like, they're meant to be upsetting because war is upsetting and they're not trying to sugarcoat it. They're trying to show you and possibly, you know, well, here's help the thing. decision making in the future. Here's the thing with Platoon, even in Full Metal Jacket, it sort of paints the American soldier as the unquestioned good guy, so to speak, mm-hmm. in the movie. Platoon does not do that. There's okay. numerous scenes where the uh, soldiers are the quite obvious villains in this movie. And it makes you like wonder and look at the war from a different perspective. And the fact that you consider this is stuff that Oliver Stone like saw when he was a soldier during the war, that is where this all this comes from. It really does make you wonder like who was really in the right. It makes you question some people's views of reality and the way they remember history. Okay. So it's, it's definitely uh, maybe worth if checking I can out. find that, you know, Oh, I'll I don't think I have any film. trouble finding that one. I do warn you though. It's, it's going to be rough for you. Okay. Good, <laughs> good to know. I'm going to mention a couple books now. Um, I the war books I don't read a ton of them so I'm listing the books that are like my personal favorites this okay. is not to say that this is the be all end all but these are books that I think are more like if I enjoy them I feel like they're more universal that you can kind of get the message the first one is The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien have you read that book? No. It's from 1990 it is fiction but it's definitely based in reality it is at this point it's a classic it's a life changing meditation on war memory imagination and just the altogether redemptive power of storytelling it has more than two million copies in print and i think it's on a lot of school reading lists but it's depicting the men of alpha company so there's a whole bunch of soldiers and then tim o'brien and they have survived their tour in vietnam and now he's a father and a writer at the age of 43 so the stories in the things they carried kind of open our eyes to the nature of war in a way that is just really really unforgettable and I'm not surprised that it's really taught everywhere especially just not even like just high school to learn about war but also in creative writing classes in college because of the way that he put it together Um, and it has never failed to challenge our perceptions of fact and fiction and war and peace and it's it's just a really beautiful moving book I'd heard about it for so long but was like I'm just not in I'm not really into it and I read it and I was like what a beautiful meditative piece on okay. war in the after effects highly recommended all right i'm gonna have to go check that one out yeah it's a it's a wonderful book and then following that with another um school reading list book even though i think it was originally a banned book so they oh, that tells you it's good right they're going there. back and forth would be one of my favorite authors slaughterhouse five by kurt vonnegut from 1969 it's also fiction, but kind of the same thing. He's taking his real experiences. Um, I would say this is the world's greatest anti-war book. 
and mm-hmm. it's centering on the infamous firebombing of Dresden and then Billy P- Pilgrim is the character and it's his odyssey through time that reflects the mythic journey of our own fractured lives as we kind of search for meaning in what we fear most. Um, there is a lot packed into such as it's like a small book, so I think it's really easily accessible for people. You know, I don't think I've ever read it actually. You never read Slaughter House Five? I don't think I have. No. Okay, well, I, I'll, be, I'll be slipping that to the mail slot. You're not leaving this house yeah, without it, it. It's my platoon. I can't. I don't know why I've never read it. I, yeah, you're definitely taking that home with you today. It's a fantastic book if you've never read it or just any Vonnegut. But for Memorial Day, Slaughter House Five. You got to get it. All right, cool. See, All right. I got, I got a new book. I'm definitely enjoying that. It gives me something else to do besides video games and writing. Wait, did you take a book when you left here last time? I did. I have that um, what was it's it? a preview book, that uh, Guillermo del Toro book. Oh, did you start it or no? No, not yet, but okay. I, I do have it, and I'm going to read it. It just because... it felt familiar. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, so the next one I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to get out of Vietnam for a little bit, even though I could hang out there with movies all day. Yeah. I guess I got to mention uh, 2014's American Sniper. Uh, considering it's the highest grossing war movie of all time. Is it now? It is. And I don't know if that's something you should be proud about, but I guess anytime you're number one, it's always good. (laughs) So it made $547 million on a $59 million budget. So get out of here. Holy cow. It was a huge hit. Um, It's based on the, uh, the quote unquote real life story of Chris Kyle, um, who's a um, sniper in the Iraq war. Um, it's based on his recollections and some verifiable um, truths about when his time as both a sniper in the war and then his life outside of the war. As an attractive man that is Bradley Cooper. <clears throat> yes. It's not hard to be played by Bradley Cooper. That feels good. It's always a plus. <laughs> it's always a plus. Like It's not who I would pick um, for my own biopic. But... I will say I do not love that movie, but I didn't hate it. <laughs> Uh, you know what I love about that movie? The I know exactly what you're going to say. Everybody knows about the infamous fake baby scene. Oh, I, I watched it again the other day in a clip just preparing for the show. It's so it's I don't. Great. I cannot understand for one second why they did that. It is so apparent that it's a fake baby. It looks awful. They couldn't find anyone's baby to hold. And like, like really? He's like using his fingers to move the arm. He's like, oh, oh it's doing, baby? oh, like, it's oh, terrible, guys. This almost won best actor. <laughs> That's probably. What I feel like him. Bradley Cooper must cringe when that comes up. Like it probably just like kills him. It's like every movie. Like when uh, they're gonna do Nightmare Alley preview, somebody's gonna ask, "What about that fake baby? Do you oh. this one?" Um, but you know, it's it's people enjoy it. It's a pretty entertaining war movie for the most part, and the themes that it, it does bring up some good points, especially. The way we need to support troops when they come back. And this is just the, this is the, the Iraq tri- War. This is the Iraq War, yes. Yeah. You know, remember that one? That's, is that still going on? I actually don't even 100 know 100 years. That's my whole life. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a very serious issue where we do have to support troops' mental health when they get back from combat. because oh, such a huge problem. Like, post-traumatic stress is a very big and serious issue, and we definitely have to make sure that they get all the help that they need because they're going to need it, man. There's no way that you can go into that situation and not have it affect you yeah. coming back. So. So that those things are good. So, you know, Clint Eastwood is a pretty good director in most regards. And this is a very well-directed movie. So it's, it's worth checking out. And then I would also quickly recommend 2009's The Messenger, which is probably Woody Harrelson's best performance of all time. Oh, he's a jerk. In, oh, I saw that movie. Yeah, he is good in that. He's a jerk, right? If I'm, am I remembering this correctly? It, well, yeah, kind of, but he's a, like, just because of his job. Okay. The movie, uh, it stars him and Ben Foster. 
Uh, Woody Harrelson was up for Best Supporting Actor for this movie, and it's just about uh, a, a sergeant who's on his way out of the military. So his last assignment before uh, he gets discharged is going to be, he's going to be on casualty notification, which basically are the soldiers that have to go to the houses of uh, families of soldiers who die. Okay. So the ones that have to go to the homes of uh, the families, what they have to do is they have to give people the news face-to-face, even if they've already heard ahead of time through Mm -hmm. the grapevine or something. It's a very important part, but it's also a very sad and a solemn honor for these guys. Like, they have to remember they're going to get yelled at. They're going to have people crying over the place. It's a very uncomfortable position. And some of these people might even want to get, like, physically um, attack them. But the captain is trying to instill in the sergeant who kind of looks at it as a demotion or a nothing job. He's like, this is one of the most important jobs that we have and something that you need to really steel yourself against because, like, this is going to be one of the most emotionally wrenching things you have to do coming back. And it makes the guys, again, look at what war is, look at the effects, and then kind of, like, see that sometimes people just can't let it go. Like, want to keep why they keep going back into war time and time again. So it's worth checking out. And, you know, it's got Ben Foster actually acting. I think that's an underappreciated part of modern cinema. So He's a good actor. What do you mean? That's what I mean. Like, nobody nobody really appreciates him as much oh, as he should. I feel like he's just always kind of around doing awesome stuff. And yeah. people are like, eh. Agreed. Um, okay, into the next one. This is a movie I loved when I was young. It's from 1989. And we are talking about Glory. Oh, I love that movie so much. So it's following the Battle of Antietam, and we have Colonel Robert Gould Shaw, played by Matthew Broderick. With and, some wispy facial hair in that movie. Which, do you know they actually darken as the movie goes on to make him look more mature? Didn't work. <laughs> didn't work at all. I, I thought it was real weird looking, seeing uh, Matthew Broderick with facial hair. No, I kind of liked it, but he is offered command of the United States' first all-African-American regiment, the 54th Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry. So there is a junior officer, Forbes, paid played by Carrie. How do I say his last name? Carrie Elways. Elways, yeah. And Shaw puts together a strong and proud unit, including the escaped slave trip, played by Denzel Washington, who's amazing in that movie. Won his first Oscar for this movie. That's correct. And the wise grave digger John Rollins, played by Morgan Freeman. So at first they're limited to menial manual tasks, but then the regiment fights to be placed in the heart of the battle. So this is based on the true story of Robert Gould Shaw, and there is conflict and camaraderie. It's an incredibly powerful film. It's really bolstered by exceptional cinematography and powerful storytelling. And as you said, an Oscar-winning performance by Denzel Washington. Uh-huh. I think this is definitely one of the best Civil War movies ever and, made. And for you action fans, the battle scenes in this movie are first class, especially in the last scene where they're uh, assaulting the fort. Oh, there's just a lot of stuff to hear. There's a lot of pretty good um, war and gore effects in this movie. Well, what's so what's crazy is that there are Civil War reenactors who are taking part in the film, okay. and they all did so voluntarily without pay. Oh, could you imagine if you're a Civil War volunteer and they're like, hey, we're going to film you're a like, Civil War movie. Yeah. Your dream come true. You'd you're be like, all about it. I'm in it. But many of the first shots of the movie are taken from the 125th anniversary reenactment of the Battle of Gettysburg in 1988 where there were like 15,000 participants anyway so they took some of that to add into the movie which is kind of 
awesome. That is pretty awesome. I don't really understand Civil War reenactments myself, but I mean, it seems like a good way to spend an afternoon, I guess. You go chill, I mean, bring I mean, a sandwich, just, watch some battles. Could it's be not fun. for us, I guess, to understand. Actually, let's uh, throw in a clip from the movie where, I mean, the wonderful um, Morgan Freeman, they're kind of doing like a, a blessing and a prayer before they go into battle. All right, let's check it out. We stand before you this evening to say thank you. We thank you, Father, for your grace and your many blessings. Now, I run off and left all my youngins and my kinfolk in bondage. So I'm standing here this evening, Heavenly Father, to ask your blessings on all of us. Amen. So that... If tomorrow is our great getting up morning, uh, if tomorrow we have to meet the judgment day, uh, Heavenly Father, we want you to let our folks know uh, that we died facing the enemy. We want them to know that we went down standing up amongst those that are fighting against our oppression. We want them to know, Heavenly Father, that we died for freedom. So yeah, glory is is a must oh, see. My Lord, 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 you do Lord. not need to sing. And now we're gonna move way into the future and um, talk about 2008's The Hurt Locker. Oh my girl, Catherine Bigelow, man! Oh, you Jeremy. need to catch your breath during several moments of this movie. Oh, absolutely, you're gonna be holding it for a lot of the times with the bombs, anyway. I was literally on the edge of my seat. So this is starring uh, Jeremy Renner. It's based on the personal wartime experiences of journalist Mark Bow. And so it's following the death of their well-respected staff sergeant, and we are in Iraq. We have uh, Sergeant Stanborn and Specialist Elridge, and they find their explosive ordnance disposable unit saddled with a very different team leader. So that kind of, it's a whole interesting thing. So we have Sergeant William James, and he is a risk taker who seems to thrive on war, but there's no denying his gift for defusing bombs. I would say that no one was surprised to see this movie take home the Oscar for Best Picture. No, it was a pretty pretty easy choice that year, to be honest. It's an you. intense movie. It's also the first dramatic feature film about Iraq to win an Academy Award. It is, like we said, it is intensely shot, and it's an action-filled war epic, and... Yeah, Kathleen Bigelow really captured the best recent dramatizations of the Iraq War. You are just like biting your nails and full of terrible tension throughout. And also set uh, history because she was the first uh, female to win Best Director at the Oscars. Another well-deserved one. I think she should have won it for Point Break myself (laughs) just for... Patrick Swayze's you mullet would. on the very least. You would. I mean, do you remember how awesome that mullet and the facial hair length went? I mean, I'm obviously never going to forget that. It's but. just it's a dream come true. Do you know that the expression the hurt locker is a pre-existing slang term for a situation involving trouble or pain, which can be traced back to the Vietnam War? Oh, see, there you go. Yeah, it is um, soldier vernacular in Iraq um, to speak of explosions as they send you to the hurt locker. So that's what it means. Sounds like a good time to me, let me tell you. Right. You want to do um, another one, and then I'm going to do a couple more books? Sure. So uh, we're going to go with 2006's Flags of Our Fathers, another Clint Eastwood movie. He does love his war movies. He does. Who would have thought that an 80-year-old would like making World War II and old war movies? (laughs) Uh, So it's a companion piece to Letters from Iwo Jima, which I find to be the better movie, but they're they're both good. 
Um, it's a story of three servicemen who were part of the group who lifted the flag on Iwo Jima, you know, where they have that statue um, of course. in Washington, D.C. And it covers what their life was like once they got back, as well as flashbacks to the battle itself. So you get another viewpoint that everything wasn't didn't go exactly as they mentioned it. Uh, one of the underrated parts is that it was kind of a staged photograph. Everybody kind of assumed that it was a um, spontaneous thing, and it was a little bit... Well, propaganda is propaganda a thing. Photo. And then these guys just kind of went on a little USO tour going around. But then one of the members, uh, Ira Hayes, who's a Native American, uh, ends up becoming a victim of racism as they're going around. So you yeah. have to feel like the other parts, even for an American hero, they still had racism coming on. And it's just such a good World War II movie. And it also shines a light on some of the people who, in that story that made it happen, who were the real heroes of the battle. Mm-hmm. Who, kind of died in the process and then they didn't end up being immortalized on the statue like the other guys and the guys kind of feel guilty about that so it's definitely one of Clint Eastwood was really hitting a stride at this time yeah I mean war movies that make you think and feel it's not just action yeah and yeah it's very good definitely worth checking out Okay. It's not exactly a happy movie, but really, it's a war movie. They're really not supposed to be happy. Yeah, that that would be against the purpose. So I want to talk about a couple more books. Um, This book was so hugely popular. I'm sure so many people have read it, but I have to talk about Unbroken, a World War II story of survival, resilience, and redemption by Laura Hillebrand. This is from 2010, and this is a nonfiction book. Have you read that? Uh, No, I've seen the movie, but I haven't uh, read the book. Bro. You're letting me down with your well, reading lately. This is I a know. great book. I haven't had the time. I've been so busy lately. Mm, it is a biography of World War II hero Louis Zamperini, and he is a former Olympic track star who survived a plane crash um, in the Pacific and then spent 47 days drifting on a raft and then survived more than two and a half years as a prisoner of war in three brutal Japanese um, POW camps. Spoiler alert, not the place you want to be. It is not. This is an unforgettable testament to the resilience of the human mind, body, and spirit. It is shocking what this man goes through and comes out of, and it's really brought vividly to life by Hillenbrand. I heard the movie sucked. Well, it's so not I don't the know what best, to tell you. The book is is the beautiful. Good. It's an Angelina Jolie directed movie, so take from that what you well, will. Well, she didn't create the story. Laura Hillebrand did. Well, I know that. Nice it's... going, Angelina. But anyway, and then the last book I want to recommend. This is a newer one. Well, 2012. Man, time's just flying. Wow. It's called The Yellow Birds by Kevin Powers, and I like this because um, you know we're just talking about different battles, but this is um, in Iraq. We have 21-year-old Private Bartle and then 18-year-old Private Murphy. And they're kind of clinging to life as their platoon launches a bloody battle for this city in Iraq. And they have been bound together since basic training when Bartle makes a promise to bring Murphy safely home no matter what. And then the two are dropped into a war that, you know, neither is prepared for because they're children. And then in the endless days that follow... The two young soldiers do everything they can to protect each other from the forces on each side. And then reality starts blurring into this hazy nightmare. And Murphy becomes increasingly unmoored from the world around him. And Bartle takes actions that he could never have imagined in his real life. So this is profound emotional insight. And, you know, it especially goes into the effects of the hidden war on mothers and families at home 
who have to then deal with these people who are coming home and they're really, really damaged. So it's a groundbreaking novel and I think that has potential to be one of those classic war stories over time. All right. So, okay, I'd say that that's it for the day. Why don't you we nailed it. Um, do us do us some pluggy plugs? All right, everybody. Remember, everything that we talked about in Old Booked Up is going to be available at all of our, or at least one of our branches, all 37 around Erie County, once they open up again. Well, June 1st, some of the libraries, um, you know, this information will be getting out there, but are going to start doing curbside pickup, so oh, you will be able to start requesting things. See that, everybody? So go ahead and go visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. Uh, go check out your account, get your holds in now because I got a feeling everything is going to be in super high demand once uh, once it's open up again. So. Sure, sure. And also, don't forget to follow us on All Booked Up Pod on Twitter. Come uh, come say hi and goof around with us on the old <laughs> tweet machine. That's what we love. So, Jacob, did you know that Memorial Day began as a response to the Civil War? What? Why? Yeah, oh. that, that was how it actually started. So, um, I mean, the unprecedented carnage of the Civil War in which a total of some 620,000 soldiers died between both sides. Um, this huge loss of life and the effect on the communities throughout the country led to these really spontaneous commemorations of the dead. And then that is what eventually, you know, morphed and turned into uh, Memorial Day. Ooh, that was probably not a good time in like Virginia and Maryland and stuff. That's no, probably it's a very tense time. Very tense and sad. Um, Memorial Day was officially, it was originally known as Decoration Day. Bad name. Well, a little <laughs> generic. A little generic. Well, it's that. because the way that it started is on this day that people would decorate graves with flowers and wreaths and flags. Um, the name Memorial Day goes back to 1882, but the older name didn't disappear until after World War II. Then in 1967, the federal law declared Memorial Day the official name. Well, so good. it really went by Decoration Day for Somebody for was like, we need to workshop that name. It's not, Nobody's buying a workshop or these card names. Like Nobody cares. You gotta get it come up with something better. <laughs> and you're Decoration still a terrible person. Day. And Memorial Day has its own set of customs um, and one of them so general order number 11 of these Memorial Day customs stated that in observance no form of ceremony is prescribed but over time several customs and symbols have became associated most notably it is customary on Memorial Day to fly the flag at half staff until noon and then raise it to the top of the staff until sunset. Oh. So if you didn't know that and that's something that you're into, now you know and yep. you should do it. Also, don't forget you have about three months to wear white shoes because in uh, after Labor Day, you're no longer allowed to wear them. So, so, so it's a warning to everybody out Obviously, there. get on that. Fashion so, tips from Jacob. Thank, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, enjoy your Memorial Day. Honor it. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Thank you.